Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Reply all. That's the nothing personal word of the day. I guess it's a phrase. We'll go the nothing personal phrase of the day is reply all. It's that thing that you do when you get an email and you mean to just reply to one person and you hit reply all, then everybody gets it. And you only meant for one person to get it. Or sometimes you want everyone to get it and you only hit reply and then one person gets it. Or the attachment is not included and you thought it was. And then you get emails saying, please attach. I got nothing attached. There was nothing attached. There was nothing there. Everyone goes through this. Don't tell me that it's because I'm old that, I, that this happens to me. It happens to everyone. They think they're forwarding something, but they're not. They have a BCC list and then it's gone. Reply all is my nothing personal word slash phrase of the day. And I'm going back to my well of content provider here on nothing personal. But you have to trust me. I'm not making this up. The way we do the show is we scour the internet for stories and trends and tweets and posts and thoughts and articles and points of view and things that are happening. And we come up with what we think is interesting to us will be interesting to you. And I think Scott Boris is interesting because, yeah, I don't get along with him and I had to deal with him for 18 years, but it's not as though I just talk about him for nothing. He injects himself into a story all the time. It happened again. So yesterday we did a show. Yesterday was nothing personal on May 28th. You can find it on our own new YouTube channel. You can find it at HTTP slash YouTube slash H-U-W-X-T-Y 1425-62984-1 underscore overscore 43. That's where it is currently. Maybe one day it'll just be like nothing personal. But if you go to YouTube and search nothing personal and look for a channel. And if you sort of lift up the covers, you'll find it. So thank you for doing that and watching. If you're watching, if you're listening, then thanks for subscribing to the podcast. But yesterday we spoke about Scott Boris. We're doing the show. The show ends and all of a sudden word is released. Not, not speculation. Fact is released that Scott Boris sent an email to each one of his clients and somehow, poof, it got leaked to the media. It didn't get leaked by one of Scott's players. It didn't get leaked by the commissioner's office because Scott did not BCC, CC, ACC, or SEC the email to the commissioner's office, I can promise you that. But it would certainly be in his best interest to have it leaked, and it was I was going to do a whole bonus episode, but I said, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to let it marinate. I'm going to see if I wake up in the morning this morning and I'm not as passionate about it or upset or angry. And I'm neither angry nor upset, but this is what nothing personal is for. I want to explain to you his email because it's too good to be true. Dear all, I don't even know how it starts. That's not the point. It starts with, I would assume it starts with, although in emails, you don't have, you know, we had to learn how to write a letter 
people used to write letters, you know, dear Matt, I'm writing today to discuss with you your producing job at Nothing Personal. I feel as though that we really need to have a talk about your focus and attentiveness during the course of a show. Regards, David, right? Those now you just started by yelling or talking. So it starts like this. Remember, games cannot be played without you. Players should not agree to further pay cuts to bail out the owners. Let owners take some of their record revenues and profits from the past several years and pay you the prorated salaries you agreed to accept. Or let them borrow against the asset values they created from the use of those profits players generated. Owners are asking for more salary cuts to bail them out of the investment decisions they have made. If this was just about baseball, he meant were, playing games would give the owners enough money to pay the players their full prorated salaries and run the baseball organization. The owner's current problem is a result of the money they borrowed when they purchased their franchises, renovated their stadiums, or developed land around their ballparks. This type of financing is allowed and encouraged by MLB because it results in significant franchise valuations. Owners now want players to take additional pay cuts to help them pay these loans. They want to bail out. They are not offering players a share of the stadiums, ballpark villages, or the club itself, even though salary reductions would help owners pay for these valuable franchise assets. These billionaires want the money for free. No bank would do that. Banks demand loans be repaid with interest. Players should be entitled to the same respect. I don't know what part of that email is actual. doesn't even matter. Let's pretend it's all made up and it's paraphrased, but let's break down a few things so I can explain to you what Scott doesn't understand at all. Let owners take some of the record revenues and profits from the past several years and pay you the prorated salaries you agreed to accept. Record revenues, and he's maybe talking about record EBITDA, even though it's not a record for EBITDA, but we've explained on the show that EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, is not a cash profit at all. Increase of revenue means nothing if there's a concomitant increase in expenses, and that's what's happened in baseball. Revenue has gone up. Expenses have gone up in lockstep which means profitability is the same or in sometimes even lower. Borrowing against the asset value that has been created from the use of profits. So here's what we used to do because we wanted to borrow money all the time because we wanted a higher payroll than we could afford. The team was losing money. Out of 18 years that I ran a team, congratulations to me. I think 15 of the years were, were losses. Uh, two or three of the years <clears throat> were gains, EBITDA gains, and from a cash standpoint, any operating cash that we had would be to pay down debt so we could borrow more. What I think that Scott is missing is how asset valuations work and how actual borrowing money works. So I'm going to tell you a story. Hi, Mr. Banker. This is David Sampson with Major League Baseball, and I would like to borrow a couple hundred million dollars. And as collateral, I would like to offer my TV deal to you. Uh, Mr. Sampson, your TV deal has already been offered as collateral for a previous loan that was done for your team. 
Thank you, sir. I would actually like to borrow a couple hundred million dollars and I would like to use all of the national money that I get from all of the broadcasting deals and all the revenue sharing. Would that be okay, uh, Mr. Sampson? All the national revenue that you get is actually collateral for yet another bit of money that you've already borrowed. That's called your league-wide facility. It used to be called the fleet facility. Now it's not because fleet, I don't know if that exists anymore, but it was bought. It's not the fleet facility. That was a little sidebar. Oh, thank you, Mr. Banker. Okay, um, Mr. Banker, my name is David Sampson from Major League Baseball, and I'd like to borrow $200 million. And I would very much like to use all of the gate receipts that we have and all the ticket revenue and food and beverage and parking. Would that be okay? Um, Mr. Sampson, do you live in Texas? Oh, no, no, sir. I'm in Florida. Okay. Well, do you have projections as to what the gate revenue will be and that you can maybe provide to uh, to us? Oh, no. Okay. Any other thoughts, David? Yes, I actually do have one more. Um, Mr. Banker, this is David Sampson, and I was just wondering because I think that there's a magazine out there that says that my team is worth $1.9 billion. And I was just wondering whether maybe I could borrow $200 million and the collateral could, could maybe be my subscription to that magazine. Would that be good? Um, Mr. Sampson, the way it works is when we lend you money, you have to actually give us collateral that's real, not that there is a suggestion that your franchise is worth 1.9 or 2 billion or 3 billion or 4 billion or 5 billion or 1 billion or 200 million. We actually have to go in and do a deep dive into your financials. And we are not one of those people who actually cares about owning a sports franchise. We don't actually have an ego premium. We don't care that there's only 30 franchises available. We're going to look and see based on your revenue and multiples of your revenue, see how you do from a profitability standpoint, and then we'll see how much we can lend you. Oh, well, are you going to count the money that I borrowed to buy the team? Um, well, of course we are, David. Are you going to count the money that I have borrowed for other businesses that I run, like ballpark villages and cruise line companies and casinos and real estate companies and garbage companies and meat companies. Oh my. Um, Well, you're going to have to show us your personal balance sheet, Mr. Sampson. And you may even have to do a personal guarantee if we're going to lend you any money. Oh, well, I don't want to do a personal guarantee. Isn't that what Vince McMahon did to Oliver Luck in the XFL? And now Oliver Luck is going to get all that money from Vince McMahon. Well, yes, David, personal guarantees are never very smart, but that's what you're going to have to do to borrow more money. And that's even if we can get to the chance that you can borrow money. Oh, oh, okay. Well, any other ideas? Because I really need to do a reply all to Mr. Boris about his email. And he said that I can borrow against the asset value. (sighs) Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. The owner's current problem is a result of the money they borrowed when they purchased their franchises, renovated their stadiums, and developed land around their ballparks. Really? 
I think the owner's current problem is based on the fact that there's a global pandemic and all of the other business that the, businesses that they own are not making the amount of money they used to make and funding the losses of the teams that they're now running and all of the amazing future cash flow that all of baseball expected by having a graph that just goes up, 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 and you're in a bull market and never thinking it's going to go bare. And all of a sudden, Rudy Gobert gets sick and you realize, we have a small problem. And now maybe we'll have 25% capacity, but we have to figure all that out. Yeah, that is a current problem. You're right. I think that's our current problem. There. I said R. Is that a dollar, Coca? We have a bet for those of you who are starting. If you're new to nothing personal, thank you. Welcome to the show. It's episode 147. You got a lot of work to do, and I know where you can find it. Just can't quite get you there. That's $9 I owe. Every time I say we, when I talk about baseball, it's a fine of a dollar because it's they. It used to be a we for 18 years. Old habits die hard. I would say we, now it's they. Owners want a bailout. That's true. They're not offering players a share of the stadiums, ballpark villages, or the club itself. That's true. Even though salary reductions would help owners pay for these valuable franchise assets. Not true. No matter what pay cut the players agree to at the end of the day, the owners will not be making a profit this year, period, hard stop, end of sentence, done, end of discussion. A lot of people are writing about this now. You've seen articles from big time Hall of Fame journalists. Jason Stark wrote one. Joel Sherman, who I've had my issues with as a president, not as a member of the media, but as a president over the years, are writing articles right now saying, listen, all of this fighting between baseball players and baseball owners, it's got to stop. Someone's got to step up. Someone's got to realize we have a global pandemic here. And it's true, we do. And there will be baseball. If, if health allows. They will find a way to come to an agreement. But people are nervous, and I get it. But it's all going to work out. But the emails that Scott Boris is sending to his players in a reply-all fashion, trying to galvanize his 100 players to have more impact on the 1,200-person union, <laughs> it's made for nothing personal. The Texas governor came out today, yesterday, one day. I think he came out this week. And he said sports leagues can now resume in June. And this is a big one, folks. Fans are allowed in up to 25% of capacity. So what Greg Abbott did, Governor, I guess you have to call him Governor Abbott or Governor Greg or just Governor Greg Abbott. He stood up and he said, here's the deal. Outdoor stadiums, 25% capacity. You have to apply to the state governmental health and human services agency or some such thing like that with your plan and your protocol, then we will decide if you have passed and then you can go to 25% capacity. And it got me thinking. Having run a team, I started thinking, how is this going to work? So I want to go through about seven or eight issues that team presidents, owners, the commissioner, the governor of every state, the cleaning crews, what are some issues that need to be solved in order to have 25% capacity at your stadium? What's the first thing you thought of when I said 
this is when not having a studio audience sucks, right? I'm asking a rhetorical question. I have no one to answer but Coca, and he's not going to answer. So I'm just going to answer myself. David, what's the first thing you thought of when you read Texas Governor Greg Abbott's proclamation that sports leagues can open? in June, in outdoor stadiums at 25% capacity. Well, thank you for asking, David. The first thing I thought was, man, those retractable roof facilities have to stay open, don't they? Query. Do they? Do a retractable roof stadium count as an outdoor stadium? The answer is yes. But what happens when you close the roof? Is it then an indoor stadium? To me, it is. So does that mean that the Astros... The Rangers have to in baseball. Do you know I'm blanking? I've been to AT&T Stadium. I don't think that's a retractable roof. Do they have a roof over AT&T? I, they must. I, I toured the entire building front to end. It was in Jerry Jones's owner suite with the private elevator. And I cannot remember. Coca, this is your cue, by the way. Coca, does AT&T Stadium have a retractable roof? It does. Thank you. My God. So does the roof have to stay open? Football, not as big a deal. They're used to it. But in baseball, are there going to be rain delays now in Texas or playing in the heat without air conditioning? That's the first question that has to be answered. So you're an owner. You say, okay, roof open. All right. But are we going to then put the air conditioning on? We had a very interesting plan with the Marlins. We had several different layers of air conditioning. When the roof was open, we would turn it off completely because it's very expensive to cool a retractable roof stadium. There were some times though that we would open the roof a bit and air condition some parts of the ballpark. Very expensive, heat would rise, so upper decks would tend to get very hot. That said, we would close our upper deck because we didn't draw enough fans. But then we'd cool the lower deck. Players would always complain at Marlins Park that we weren't cooling the field enough And that's true. We never cared about cooling the field. We had the air conditioning vents for the pain fans, not for the players. First time Marlins Park opened, players complained. I remember it clear as day. We had a a bunch of players, but just take a, a, a Logan Morrison or a Gabby Sanchez or any of these. These are great players, great guys. Hey, why is it so damn hot on the field? And the answer always was, well, the air's not on here, but we can turn the air on earlier if you want, but it'll just make the seats colder, not you. So retractable roof stays open, not great. Issue one. Issue two, the seating manifest. If I told you how long it took to do a seating manifest when you're building your own ballpark and you have to actually name the rows, you have to number the seats, number the rows, You figure out where each seat's going, the number of seats in each row. Then you put that on a computer that becomes the manifest. That becomes a capacity. Then you figure out standing room, where people are going to stand. Then you get it approved as part of a certificate of occupancy. Brand new seating manifests have to be done with brand new pricing. These stadiums have to start over. Why do I say this? Take a team like the Texas Rangers opening their brand new ballpark this year. Let's say that they've got 15,000 season ticket holders. Let's say their stadium seats 40,000 people. For purposes of math, let's say it seats 60,000 people, and you can then have 15,000. That means that every season ticket holder, if there are 15,000 season ticket holders, they'll all get to go to the games. 
The problem is that they then wouldn't be going in a social distancing way. And part of the way you get the right to have 25% of the people in your ballpark is you have to follow the existing guidelines, which means there has to be social distancing, which means you cannot be with people not in your family, not in your group. You cannot be within six feet of anybody else. Therefore, the entire seating manifest would change. And what you will see is that there would be groups of two, three, four, five, six, up to 10, which is the most you can have in a group under the current social gathering, under the social distance gathering guidelines. So we would make a manifest, give it to the season ticket and the ticket department and the computer and the analytics people. And we would split up the stadium into these groups with different numbers in them. Then we'd have to go through every single season ticket account. How many tickets are in the account? Then we'd have to call them and say, you used to be in section Gimel, row five, seats two and three. You're now moving to section Z, rows 20, seats four and eight. Are we good? Then you'd have to do some sort of 3D imaging where you can go and actually look at your seat. And then you have to decide what's the price of that seat. Is it going to be the same as the price that the person's already paid? Do they get a refund? Do they get a credit to 2021? It sounds crazy, but these are real issues. And if you have 15,000 season ticket holders for eight for 60,000 seat stadium, which means no group sales, no individual ticket sales, it's like what restaurants are doing. You either have a reservation or you're SOL. There's no more walk-ins. So are we stopping walk-ins when walk-ins in many parks around baseball are critical walk-ups? I call them walk-ins. Well, they are walk-ins in restaurants, but they're walk-ups at ballparks because you can't walk in. You have to walk up. You walk up to a window. That's why it's called a walk-up walk in as you walk into the restaurant. So will there be no walk-ups? We have to answer those questions. It's going to take time, but it's doable. So you get your seat, you're ready to go, one of 25%, you put on a mask, then you got to park your car. When does the parking lot open? Who gets to park where, when, and how? Now's when we're going to go all Disney on your tuchus. Can I say ass on this pod? Or does it get bleeped out, Coca? I can't remember. Because we have to bleep out the F word, I think. Because we don't want explicit next to the pod. And I think we bleep out the S word. Even though I think I've said that. I don't think we have to bleep out the A-double-S word. But Coca doesn't know. I think he's looking. Or he's sleeping. So we have to go full amusement park. Fast pass. Time of entry. The only way this works is when everybody coming to the game has a time that they can come in and a time that they can leave. That's it. It's not flexible. Ingress, egress. Now you're saying to me, everyone will want to leave at the end of the game. That's not true. There'll be a sign up. This is what I would do on the website. When you have tickets, you sign up. It's like signing up for an appointment or going to a doctor or having any sort of thing where you choose a 15 minute interval. And once your 15-minute interval is sold out, you have to choose another 15-minute interval. It's like going on Amazon and trying to buy a medium shirt and it's sold out. And they say you can go L or S. And I say, no, how come I can't click M? It, like, it seems to be faded, but the S and the L are bulk, are bright, black. I can do it. And the M is like gray. That's what it'll be. Now, do you charge people less money because they have to come earlier. If it's a seven o'clock game and their entry time is five to 5.15, do they pay less because they're going to be in the ballpark longer and it's not convenient? 
And the people who get to come at seven o'clock right at game time, do they pay a premium for the right to not have to sit around? What about exiting? Do you only give your highest season ticket holders who sit behind the plate for $400 a game a seat, do they get to choose to leave whenever they want? These are questions that will have to be answered. Concession stands. Believe me, you're not waiting online to get popcorn, peanuts, and a hot dog. It's going to be packaged food, much like what we'll do to the players. And you will go, you will order, and you will go pick it up. It will be cashless and packaged. There will be no money trading hands. It'll be Apple Pay. It'll be whatever else it's called. I don't know what it's called. Just no cash. Team store. They'll be waiting outside like you're waiting for your haircut right now, like you're waiting for your grocery store. You'll be waiting outside the team store. They'll let a few few people at a time. You'll go in, you'll shop, you'll get what you want. No packages, no uh, um, packages wouldn't be the word, no cash. And you leave. Then you go back to your seat. What about bathrooms? Yikes. This is not perfect, folks. The way it's going to work is, in my opinion, every bathroom door is going to have to be open because we're going to need people in the bathrooms cleaning after everyone goes. If you're dropping a deuce, are you going to want to go right in after the next person? No, you're going to want it to be sanitized. We're going to have to staff someone to sanitize like you see at the airport after everyone who goes into a stall. Urinals. You can't go every urinal. It'll be every other, every third, even if you're looking for a full six feet. By the way, it's a place that even Dave could go. You're going to get that in about 10 minutes, how funny that was. Dave, the little dicky rapper. Coca, you, if you're, see, this is when I wish. Coca, I can't hear you laughing because I think you're muted me, but do you know how funny that is? Maybe it's just funny to me. Oftentimes I'll call Coca with something that I think is funny, and then he will absolutely say, David, that is so ridiculous. No one will laugh at that. That's not funny. I said, well, it was funny to me. So bathrooms are going to be an issue. You're going to have to go. Not a raise hand situation, but it's not going to be like other venues where you wait online and everyone crowds in and out. It's just not going to be able to be that way. Think about a football game at halftime where everyone runs to the restroom into the concession stands. That will not happen at football games this year. Player interaction. How are we going to deal with that? I'm sorry to say there's just not going to be any. And that is one of the bad parts and sad parts about this is that one thing I would do and have to do and reasonably do is all of player autographs, all of players taking balls and throwing them in the stands. It's just not going to happen because those balls have to be taken out of place so much under the health protocol rules because of all the licking of the tongue, which I just did if you're not watching. And I don't know why I did because I'm now licking hair. The beard, the, my hair growth on my beard is now officially in my mouth So now when I eat, whatever I eat, I don't need salt and pepper because that comes directly from my beard. That was another joke, Coca, get it? Because I have gray hair, it's salt and pepper, so it's in my mouth. Unbelievable. Asleep at the switch. Okay. So to conclude this part of the show, while Texas Governor Greg Abbott did something very interesting and It's great news having 25%. There are myriad issues that have to happen. There's time, but this is what team presidents are doing right now. And there's going to be a lot of rules, a lot of regulations, and you're going to have to follow them. If you don't want to wear a mask, guess what? You're just not going to be able to come to games. But you will, and we will, and it's all going to be okay.
The complication of hosting games is not just about capacity. The other complication that is not spoken about because it doesn't impact many places, some, but not many. I'm thinking about Fenway Park. I'm thinking about Wrigley Field. I'm thinking about in the Premier League, Liverpool, where what do those have in common other than John Henry owns Fenway and Liverpool, the Red Sox? What that has in common is that not just fans in the stands and in the ballpark, the gathering of people outside the stadium is legendary. It's in the tens of thousands. They come and they just want to be a part of it. They want to go to Wrigleyville. They want to go to Yawkey Way. In Liverpool, when I went to a game there, you go to Anfield, one of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to, by the way. I went to a Liverpool-Manchester game. Not Manchester City. There's another team. Manchester. Manchester. And it was shocking how incredible it was. Manchester United is what it's called. Thank you, Coca. God bless you, Coca. And uh, Yawkey Way, he's telling me, was renamed something. Two years ago, it was renamed? I didn't know that. It's now called Jersey Street. Okay, thank you. But when I say Yawkey Way, does anyone in New York, for the New Yorkers out there, does anyone call it the RFK Bridge? Or do you call it the Triborough Bridge? It's the Triborough Bridge because it connects three boroughs. Tri, three boroughs, boroughs. They renamed it RFK. It's called Yawkey Way, Jersey Way, whatever. Anyway, Liverpool, tons of fans who don't have tickets, they go in, the ones with tickets. The rest just stay out. What came out today is that Liverpool, should they win the Premier League, it's not going to happen at Anfield because, and they're favored and they could win the Premier League, police have now said that certain games will have to be played at a neutral venue because they will not allow it at Anfield to prevent the fans from gathering outside. Now, you have to think about this because Liverpool is a team that has not won a title since 89-90. But these seasons, these teams are, the, the fan base is rabid, right? The Liverpool Man U uh, makes the Yankees-Red Sox look like a high school matchup in terms of rivalry. It's just incredible. And if Liverpool has a chance to win the Premier League for the first time in 30 years, it's going to be a complete, it'll be crazy, crazier than it usually is. And the reality is, if they win at a neutral site, here's what the police are not taking into account. They'll still congregate and celebrate in the city, in Liverpool. But please be careful if you do it. Please. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. 
They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Okay, I want to talk about naming rights for a quick minute here because something happened that drew my attention in soccer. And I just want to explain it because it interested me. And I think it'll interest you because it involves money and people who are being um, more careful with their money because of the pandemic. There's a team for in Major League Soccer called the Los Angeles Football Club. And you wouldn't believe this, but they play in Los Angeles. And they play in a ballpark. And... The, naming, the name of that ballpark is named a company called Bank of California, B-A-N-C, actually, of California. Bank of California was the naming rights holder. They signed a 15-year, $100 million deal in 2018 to name this new Los Angeles football club stadium. Three years later, which is right now, they have paid the, the team. Bank of California has paid the Los Angeles um, um, soccer team, Major League Soccer, $20 million. They gave them $20 million. Why? Not because they wanted to give them a bonus because things are going so well in LA. Not because they wanted to give them a bonus because they said, hey, we understand you're having an issue because of the season being delayed and no fans in the stadium. No, the Bank of California bought themselves out of the naming rights deal. They had a termination clause which said, if you pay three years of fees as a termination fee, you can get out of the rest of your deal. So they had a 15-year deal. It's been three. They're paying three more for six. They get out of the last nine. It is a pre-tax savings of $87 million for the Bank of California over the next 12 years. Why is this so significant? Because the Bank of California said, we are no longer in the business-to-consumer business. We are now in the business-to-business business. And the reason why that matters is the way you get sponsors at a ballpark is from companies who are in the business-to-consumer business, like, let's say, a J.P. Morgan or a Chase Bank. They want people to open accounts, deposit accounts, check-in accounts, savings accounts, get a toaster, open an account. You bring the English muffins, I give you the toaster. By the way, open an account, put $100 in, thank you, that counts. We're a ball team, we say come, sponsor us, we promise, MetLife Stadium in New York where the Giants and Jets play, we promise you Chase, J.P. Morgan Chase, that all the people who come to Giants and Jets games, they're all going to want to open accounts and get credit cards and all the things that they do, you're going to make money because you are a business to consumer marketer and we're giving you consumers. Bank of California woke up and they said, you know what? We don't need the consumers. We want the businesses. Therefore, the fans who go to the games in Los Angeles for Major League Soccer, not as important. We're going to buy ourselves out of the deal. Problem number one, that deal was used by Los Angeles to help finance the whole ballpark. It was a $350 million Major League Soccer stadium. 
you have to borrow money and as collateral, which we learned about early in the show, we're going full circle here on a Friday on Nothing Personal or whatever day you're listening or watching this. Today is Friday, May 29th. Nailed it, rehearsed it, got it. They expected that revenue stream going forward. When you do a naming rights deal, you do not think there will be a termination of the naming rights deal because then you've got to go out and sell a new one. Los Angeles has to find a new naming rights deal for their stadium to replace that revenue stream because that revenue stream is used to pay back money. Are you listening, Scotte? Wait to see, I'll tell you. I'm doing my wait to see right now. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. It may happen. It may not happen. I tell you it won't happen. If it does, I'm wrong. I'll tell you it will happen. If it doesn't, I'm wrong. If it does happen and I said it would happen, then I'm right. Well, here's what happened. Wait to see. The next naming rights deal for the LAFC, Los Angeles Football Club, will be for less money than the original deal they got from Bank of California. This is the single worst time to go out and get a naming rights deal. Worst. Worse than 2008. Way worse. I had to wait to see, by the way. This is the accountability part of wait to see. I had it on NASCAR not having seven races in 11 days with no issues. I thought there would be definite, some COVID issues, some pandemic issues. I thought it was very aggressive to do seven races in 11 days. And as we learned, I think it ended yesterday or the day before the 11 days. And uh, they did it. There was one rain delay, so one of the races was pushed to the next day. So I could be a total sort of disingenuous jerk and say, well, it wasn't seven races in the prescribed 11 days, but that's not true. It actually was seven races in 11 days. Forget the rain delay. I lost that wait to see. But you got my new wait to see for today. The next naming rights deal for LAFC will be for less money than the original deal. I was given a show to watch. I mentioned it on the local hour of Levitard this week, but I got to do a full review here. And now it's all coming back to Dave and little Dickie. A friend of mine who's quarantined told me to watch a show called Dave. I never watched it because I couldn't find it anywhere. It was on FX. Didn't know where to find it. Didn't have it, got it, or couldn't get it on demand, whatever it was, was told it was on something called um, Hulu. So got Hulu, subscribed, free trial. By the way, those free trials, am I the only one who gets suckered in? Hey, you get a free trial for a month, but don't worry. If you don't cancel after a month, it's just going to be charged directly to your credit card. And we'll take your credit card info before the month starts for the free trial. But don't forget, you can click here. No, no, I mean here. No, no, just a little bit over there, a little bit to the right. If you click right there, you can cancel. It's brilliant. I can't even tell you the number of things I subscribe to because I'm going to do it for a month, and then I'm not. So I watched Dave. I said I would. The first three minutes of Dave will hook you into the entire season. It is a 10-episode season. There are about 29 minutes each. Call them 30 minutes. You're committing five hours of your time. I'm asking you as a favor to me, do the following. Subscribe to Hulu, watch the season of Dave, and then cancel immediately if you can't afford it or don't want to afford it or don't want to pay it. Even though I'm now watching another show on Hulu, I now have, um, there's amazing content on it. 
but this is not a commercial for Hulu. They're not a sponsor. But Dave is about 10 episodes, and it's about a guy named Dave. Apparently, Dave is a real guy named Dave Bird, who's also a real rapper named Little Dicky. I didn't know any of this going into the show. The show is about his life, and the co-star of the show is a guy named Gata, who is Dave's hype man in real life. And what's interesting is he acts in it. Oh, sorry, Coca. Gata. Unbelievable. Gata. I'm sorry. Now, this is the biggest insult. Coca just whispered, I sound like Dave's mom. Dave's dad is played by David Pamer, who was the original guy from Ben and Jerry's in City Slickers. He's this character actor who's been in a thousand movies and you've seen him everywhere. He was in the American president playing the guy who did the polling. In any case, he's phenomenal. He plays the dad. Can you imagine being the Jewish mom and dad of your Jewish son who grows up to be a Jewish rapper named Little Dicky? And the first three minutes of the entire show explain why he's called Little Dicky. And it's not because he's Jewish, which of course, that's one of the great rumors People always say, right, I'm Jewish, but only from the waist up. Well, I'm Jewish from head to toe. I always have been. It is what it is. I don't like that expression. It just, whatever. Correlation, inverse, not inverse, direct. It's not worth it to discuss. But in three minutes of Dave in the first episode, he will do something that will make you laugh. You'll be hooked. He has this entire rap world around him. They're funny, they're brilliant actors, except they're also rappers. I didn't realize rappers could act this well. Dave Bird, Little Dicky, writes, produces, stars. He's like George from Seinfeld. He's like Seinfeld from Seinfeld. He's like Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's this sort of, and I'm typecasting him because I am. He lives in this world. It's like, it's, it's the point of the show is to highlight his creative brilliance and the angst he has going through creativity, the naivety he has in terms of life, and the incredible uncanny ability he has to actually observe a situation and then articulate it in a way that is clear, funny, delicious, and musical. At the end of the series, and this is not a spoiler, because I didn't, had never heard of this because I'm me. He makes an appearance on The Breakfast Club, which I assumed was named after the movie The Breakfast Club. And there were two characters as hosts of The Breakfast Club who I assumed were cast as characters as hosts of the fictitious podcast The Breakfast Club. Little did I know, one of my favorite alliterations, thank you, Stranger Than Fiction, Dustin Hoffman, Emma Thompson, and Will Ferrell, and of course, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Little did I know that The Breakfast Club is real. And Charlemagne is another real guy who is really good in the last few scenes of episode 10. For me, it's a big ask. I'm asking you for five hours. I ask you already for 45 minutes a day, five days a week. 225 minutes a week, I ask of your time. Plus, we do some bonus episodes from time to time. And I'm respectful of it. And now I'm asking for more. But believe me, if you 
want to laugh and smile and sort of tear up from time to time and examine relationships and love and music and rapping, this is where you want to be. And I close my review of Dave by saying this. For all you people during quarantine who are building things and becoming really handy, never leave a hole on the top of your table. ML Beard Challenge. Today is day 75. 75 is a, uh, we're three quarters of the way. We're 75%. We're almost, we're almost to 100 days. We're doing $1,000 a day to different organizations. We started with baseball teams, went to basketball teams. We're now looking for suggestions of organizations and we're getting a lot of them. Keep them coming because I look at them. I can't say yes to all. Saying yes to as many as I can within 100. We're going to keep the beards until baseball starts, whether it's July 4th, August 4th, or next year. Today, I want to talk about an organization that we're donating $1,000 to. It's called 22 Until None. 22 Until None is an organization that is devoted and dedicated to preventing veteran suicide. And it provides veterans with necessary access to mental health professionals. I didn't realize that one in five suicide deaths are veterans. I didn't realize that over 8,000 veterans commit suicide every year. I had never heard of this organization, which helps veterans transition back into society. I didn't know that 22 veterans commit suicide per day. And the name of the organization is 22 Until None because they want to keep helping veterans until the number 22 becomes none. We know that during the time of COVID, mental health is an issue that is not being talked about enough. There is help out there. There are suicide prevention hotlines. There are people who want to hear from you. There are organizations 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because when you think you're out of options, you're not. It just feels that way. When you think that life will never return to normal, life will never be the same, you'll never get your retirement money back, you'll never get your job back, you'll never work again, you'll never see your friends, you'll never touch your friends, you'll never get a hug or give a hug, you're falling into the rabbit hole of quarantine and isolation. There are organizations, if, even if you don't have one friend, which by the way, many people don't, if you're embarrassed to say that you feel down in a hole and lonely and can't get out of it, these organizations have people who will talk to you and they will talk to you and they will explain that there is light at the end of this tunnel and that living is way, way easier, better solution than ending your life. Suicide's been a big problem throughout history. We've talked about veterans. This week was Veterans Day. We started with Veterans Day. We started with the veteran organization and we talked about the importance of veterans and what they've done for our country. And when they come back and need help, organizations like 22 Until None, give them that help. And for anyone listening to Nothing Personal, if you know of anyone or it's you, if for whatever reason you feel as though you are out, you're at a dead end, you cannot go another minute, I just ask you to do one quick call. One call and realize that there are people who care about you and your life.
I appreciate what 22 Until None is doing. I appreciate all the hotlines. And I wish everybody a very safe weekend. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.